Hey, I'm Stephen Billings, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect with you. You can text 97000 with the words River Connect to share any prayer requests or just to say hello. It would be so great to hear from you. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can give by texting the amount that you would like to give to 84321. You can also head to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the page as well. Thanks again for joining us, and I hope you have a blessed day. Morning, everyone. Welcome to the River Church. We're glad that you are here. If you would, take your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter number 6. As Mitchell said, we had a wonderful day yesterday. I don't know, it's probably some 2,200 people here yesterday, so it was just a good day. Thank you. Um, thank you for, for all your help. Had some 70 trunks, uh, had a ton of candy, had, um, you know, like uh, 10 days ago, the weather didn't look good. I don't know if you looked at the weather yesterday. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. So we thank the Lord for that. And just a, just a great day. If, if you are new with us, uh, thank you for coming. Yesterday, uh, we put in all the kids' bags a golden ticket. And we said, if you come back today, if you don't have a church to go to, you bring that golden ticket back, you'll be entered to win a prize. And so if, if you're a child in here, like, I brought the golden ticket, what am I supposed to do? Uh, you can be in the lobby right now. There'll be uh, our... our, our uh, greeter team would be out there, show you exactly where our kids' ministry is happening. You're welcome to go do that now. Uh, but we thank you, thank you for joining us. But a great, great, great day yesterday. All right, Matthew chapter number six. We are studying the Lord's prayer. The last couple of weeks, really diving into Lord, teach us to pray. Help us to pray. How do we pray? What do we say? What what shouldn't we say? What's the posture of prayer? Uh, how do we pray? And here, the Lord gives us. A pattern, and we have the very famous Lord's Prayer. Many of you, when I say that, you start reciting it. You've heard it. Even one of our deacons came in the office this week, and he said, Pastor, it's interesting. He goes, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't go to any church, didn't go to Catholic church, didn't do any of that. And he, became, he came to know the Lord later in life. But he said, for some reason, when you say the Lord's Prayer, I still do it. it it's still there. And so many people know the words of the Lord's Prayer but they don't know what it means. And it's so important to understand what does it mean? What does the Lord want us to understand from the Lord's prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And last week when we started to study the Lord's Prayer, so important to understand those first three petitions is what we studied. To come and to understand the Lord here gives us an example or a pattern to pray. Again, is it good to memorize Scripture, the Lord's Prayer? Yes. Is it even good to pray the Lord's Prayer? I would say yes. But this cannot become vain repetition. Or if we don't know what it means, then, then, then no, you, shouldn't, you, you need to understand the words that you are saying. Do I think the Lord Christ gave us this prayer so that we'd recite it every day and that every Sunday when you gather, we do that? Do I think that's what it was meant for? No, I think it is mostly, it points to a pattern how we as followers of Christ are called to pray. And the prayer starts off our Father. And so knowing Jesus says, when you pray to God, you say, dearest Father, there is this great 
love that he has for you. The next line is, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed that you would be known as holy, that your name is your character. It's who you are. And may we as the church, meaning we as those who follow Christ, may we give glory to God in what we say and what we pray and what we do. Jesus said, you pray your kingdom come. That God sits on the throne and we are excited. I'm excited for the Lord to come back. His kingdom reigning here on earth. I I look forward to that. And some of you are like, it's it's, it's next week or it's the next week. I see what's going on in the world. Sometimes I think the Lord just teases some of you. But here's what we know. The Lord is coming. You, You need to be ready. The Lord is coming and we're excited. We we look forward to Christ returning. But also now, the here and now, we're called to, to, to have kingdom living. That we're called to have lives that follow the Lord. If we know Christ, we follow him, we obey him. And he says, your will be done. Is it on, is it on earth as it is in heaven? We pray for the Lord's will to be done. Now we see the transition of this prayer. One put it like this. The beginning is the grand spiritual concerns. God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. And then it transitions. It gets really personal now. The next three petitions are personal needs of the worshiper. Here we have personal needs. One author said this when speaking of these three verses. He said, our whole life is found here in these three petitions. And this is what makes this prayer so utterly amazing. In such a small compass, our Lord has covered the whole life of the believer in every aspect. Our physical needs, our mental needs, and our spiritual needs are all right here in these three petitions. So here this morning, how do we pray for oneself? Have you ever thought the question, is this okay to pray? Maybe that's the title of the sermon. Is it okay to pray? Is this sentence, is this statement, am I able to take this to the Lord? Want to get on? Anybody out there going, I'm not sure when I was, I, I, I question whether it was okay for me to bring this petition to the Lord. Anybody ever thought that before? I even got the 8 o'clock to admit to this, okay? Even got the 8 o'clock to make them, yeah. Is what am I praying? Is, is this okay? Years ago, my son was five, six, somewhere around there. Uh, we were at my in-laws for Thanksgiving or Christmas. I can't remember. All I remember, there was lots of food on the table, and all of our, our family was gathered. We were sitting at the table, and somebody had to pray before we would eat. And somehow my son got called upon. He's like five, six, seven. And so my son starts to pray. And he prays. And he prays. And I think every fish in the sea was prayed for. And about 12 minutes later, he's still praying. And you don't dare say, will you hurry up? Like, you can't say that. The food's getting cold. Like, he's just, and it's, he's praying and praying and praying. And we're sitting there. And as a dad, right, it's beautiful. I'm so glad my son wants to pray. This is wonderful. 
But it brings me back to the, or all the things, like when you hear a little child pray, it's wonderful, but sometimes you go, well, what, what was that you were saying there? Like, that didn't make any sense, or you don't need to pray that, or that, you know, and you think, sometimes I think, what's the heavenly father thinking when he hears us pray? There's times in my life I remember praying for something and look back now and go, Lord, thanks for saying no. Look and go, man, Lord, I was really selfish there. Man, my heart was not in the right place, Lord. And so how do we go to the Lord? How do we pray for oneself? In these three verses, I love it because it speaks of the personal need. Here we have the pattern on how to pray for yourself. As I was studying, I came across, the, as I was studying these three verses, three words really stuck out to me. And if you've been around a while, you know I, I like to make things simple and, and practical to help you just grab onto them, because I hope tomorrow you remember it and Tuesday. So as you look at each of these verses, these personal needs, the first verse is really, Christ points out that we're to come to him with physical needs. The second verse, he talks about relational needs that we have. And the third verse, the third petition here in the second half of the prayer is the spiritual needs. It's coming to the Lord for everything. It's acknowledging him and trusting in him. Here Jesus teaches us to pray. Why? Because we like to veer off the path that the Lord has for us. We, we like to, we veer off on what, what God has. And so Christ is saying, here is where you, here is how you pray for yourself. So I'd like to stop and pray and then let's dive into these three and see how do we pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this morning. I pray, Lord God, you use it for your honor and glory. Lead my words. Lord God, I do pray that, Lord, you know every person in here. You know every need. You know every hurt. May they know your love this morning. May they know your truth and follow you. We thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first personal petition, give us this day our daily bread. For many of us, we've said this over and over again, but what does it mean? Give us this day our daily bread. And I, I think there are some, who, they've over-spiritualized this. You, they dive in and go, wait, Jesus says he's the bread of life. We, we take communion, and so we have the, the body, it's the bread. And so uh, maybe it's talking about, give us this day, this day of the bread. It's talking about Jesus, and it's talking about communion. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's what Christ is talking about here, because as you read the chapter, you find he comes to these personal, physical needs. So when it says, give us this bread, what I think it's talking about is Bread. Speaking of food, and, and I love bread. Like, I'll go to Chris Belly's and I'll order a pizza. And then after, right before I go, hey, can you bring out a bread basket and put a couple extra breads in there? And then I get a lot of butter and bread. And I can just eat. The, the staff here gets annoyed because they're like, where do you want to go eat? Well, Chris Belly's, they have bread. I, I love bread. But here it is speaking of bread. When he speaks to the crowd, he's saying, hey, I will take care of your physical need. He speaks of bread and instantly it strikes a chord with the people there listening, right? Why? Because some of them don't know when the next meal is coming. 
Some, some of them don't know. And if, you know, they're not going, well, I get my paycheck's coming in two weeks. They didn't have a paycheck coming in two weeks. They work that day. They get paid for that day. If they get sick tomorrow, they don't know where the food comes from. So give us this day our daily bread. This is, there is, he's saying to the crowd, hey, I want you to bring this need to me. I want you to trust in me. I want you to be dependent on me. But for us in here, To have no bread at all, to think like them is pretty difficult. One pastor said, why should we ask God for what we already have in such abundance? Why, when many of us need to consume less bread than we do, are we to ask God to supply our daily bread? What does this mean? Well, I believe when it speaks of bread, it's speaking of our physical needs, our daily needs physical needs. It is calling the believer to come back to Christ and go, you need to depend on the Lord. And there are too many times when we go, no, I'm, I'm good. I've got it. Until something large happens in our life, something devastated, and then we go, okay, now I better go depend on God. Christ goes, no, no, we need to pray daily. Come back to him. Trust me daily. You ever stop and think about how fragile we are as people? 40 days without food, things, things are going to start to get interesting. Four days without water, it's not good. Four minutes without air, you're in trouble. Four seconds without your heart beating right, you're in bigger trouble. We forget how fragile we are. We forget That without what God supplies, there is no life. And here, Jesus is drawing us back on, hey, I want you to come to me to depend on me for everything. The big things and the little things. Whatever tiny thing, whatever the need, come to me. Trust in me daily. Put your dependence on me. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. You see, see, it all connects Old Testament, New Testament, saying the same thing. Trust in me. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on the bank account, the retirement, the job. Lean on me. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Why? Again, because I like my own path. To draw back to his path. This morning, may you hear that God cares about the simple things in your life. And when you're struggling, what, what do I say? What do I pray? Know that there is a dearest father in heaven who loves you. Who says, bring your needs to me. Your daily needs. I am here. Trust in me. I enjoy watching sports, and there are times when after a sporting event, they, one of the guys, the athletes, will do the interview after, and he'll talk about God and what God did, and then there'll be an announcer or a radio host, and they'll kind of mock that and go, yeah, like God cares about your stupid football game. Here's what I know God called, cares about. He cares about you and the needs in your life. 
And will you hear that this morning? Will you hear you can go to him? And maybe you've been a believer a long time, but for a long time, you've been depending on yourself instead of leaning on the Lord. How do I, how do I know if that's me? Well, are you asking him daily? You, you know, we start praise, prayers many times. Lord, thank you for this day. But that's like just the starter words you're supposed to say so we don't really think of it. But that's a really incredible thing. Lord, thank you for the day and, the, and to breathe and thank you for what you've given and, and the house and it's warm and, and, and thank you, Lord, for the help. Thank you, God, to start in a place where we praise him. Why? It puts our dependence on him. So do you struggle with that? Do you struggle to ask him? Do you struggle to thank him? Do you struggle to worry about tomorrow and the next day and the next day? And I know you go, well, do you know what's going on in the world, Pastor? I do. So does the Lord. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. I, today. I got today. And so when we're filled with worry and anxiety, it's, a, it's like flag goes up. Hey, are you trusting me in the day? Yes. Now, I like what a couple of the authors says. One said this, give us this day our daily bread is not a carte blanche to pray for everything in the Sears catalog. Now, one, it dated that book and I really liked it. Because automatically in my mind, I got in the car, drove down to Summit Place, went in the parking lot, Sears, I got on the escalator, went upstairs, went to the big, you know, craftsman tool spot in Sears, you know what I'm talking about? That's what I did. I can't really do that. It's all gone. Eight o'clock, a lady came up to me after, and she goes, Pastor, I know it's kind of funny. She had a Sears and Roebuck sweater on. I'm not kidding. (laughs) She goes, this thing's like 40 years old, but I wore it today. I don't know what. Now I know. So funny. You can't make it up. One said, we are not to pray here for our daily cake. And I started thinking about that. So no cake, no pies, no pie in the face. That's where my mind went. So that's good, right? That's not a church thing we should do. It's coming after. Relax, all right? But one said, we are, we are not told to pray for luxuries or, or super abundance, nor are we promised these things. But we are promised that we shall have enough. Proverbs 30 is so interesting. Proverbs 38 and 9, it says this, Remove far from me falsehoods and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Here. Jesus is calling us to a daily dependence on him. Saying, Lord, I need you. So a couple thoughts here. One, Jesus does not renounce the responsibility 
as disciples to take care. Let me start over. I'll read this. Jesus does not renounce responsible activity for his disciples to take care of their needs and those of their loved ones. He announced, he only denounces anxiety about the future. We are to rely on God for all physical substance and to trust him. And I love, this is just thought-provoking. I love the statement. God has sometimes provided for his Christians through miraculous means, but his primary way of provision is through work for which he has given life, energy, resources, and opportunity. His primary way to care for those who cannot work is through the generosity of those who are able to work. So here, we're not saying, hey, trust in the Lord, sit down and go, okay, God, bring me food, bring me stuff. He goes, he has given us the life and the energy to do what we're called to do. And so this isn't to sit back and go, well, I'm going to do nothing now and wait for the Lord. That's not what's happening here. It is praying in faith and trusting him and living it out. Now, if you've been in the church a while, You've heard this thought, pray in faith, that you have to have faith. And if you don't have faith, it's not going to happen. It's not going to come true. We have to pray in faith. So I want you to know, what does it mean to truly pray in faith? Because there's been this false teaching that people go, well, to pray in faith is just in your heart where you go, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And and if I can manipulate God into thinking I can believe, he'll do what I tell him to do. That's not faith. Faith is when we put our trust and our hope in the Lord. Faith is when we look like the Lord's prayer, right? We can't have faith if we don't know who the Lord is. We can't have faith if he's not the king. We can't have faith if we come to the Lord and go, God, I have faith for you to do my will, not your will. That's not faith. Faith is when you come, God, I trust in you. I give it to you, your God, and I believe you. That's faith. In James, it says, faith without works is dead. So that is why it's important to know it's not just a thinking thing. It's a life thing. Faith is when we go, God, I'm going to follow you in obedience. That is faith. I'm going to believe you in my actions. It's faith. So we believe in the Lord. We believe in prayer. We believe, he says, bring your needs to me. We believe, I, I have people who come new to the church and they'll ask a question like, is, is this a healing church? And I want to be like, do we believe the Lord is healing? Yes, we do. We believe the Lord heals. We believe in James 5. It says, hey, if there's any among you sick, call the elders of the church. Come together and they will pray over you. And the Lord says there is healing. This is not manipulating to go, God, you do what we say. We go, God, we trust you. Your word says that you heal and we believe it. But our faith is enough to know that when God sometimes says no, it doesn't rock our faith. We stand firm in trusting him. That's why in the Old Testament, being like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, getting ready to throw in the fiery furnace And they're like, hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, we trust the Lord. He's going to save us. And they say, but if if not, if we get thrown in there and we die, we still trust the Lord. 
Because we trust the Lord whether he does what we want to do or not. We know we want the will of God. So this thought of personal needs first sits with our physical needs. And some of you, i got to be honest, i got to ask, do you, do you really believe it? Have you been trying to carry up for a long time and you need to come back and go, God, i got to trust in you. Give us this day our daily bread. The second need is relational. It says this. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What's the big problem that we have in relationships? It's sin. That word debt there in that passage, it means sin. The big problem in relationship, the big problem in your relationship with God, you want to know what it is? It's your sin. The problem in the relationship with your spouse, you want to know what it is? Sin. Your child, sin. Your problem with people in the church and friction, where does it come from? comes from rejecting God's way and going our own way. One author says it has contaminated, speaking of sin, every human being. And it is the power that makes man susceptible to disease and illness and every conceivable form of evil and unhappiness, temporal and eternal. The ultimate effects of sin are death and damnation, And the present effects are misery and dissatisfaction and guilt. And sin is the common denominator of every crime, every theft, every murder, immorality, sickness, pain, sorrow of mankind. The biggest problem we have in relationships, especially with the Lord, is sin. Our greatest need of mankind is forgiveness. About a month and a half ago, I was in my house, and I heard my wife yell down the hallway, um, I think we have a problem. So I went down to the bedroom and looked uh, on one of the walls and down at the floorboard and the trim. You could tell that water was, uh, you could tell you had water stain all over the trim. It's like, oh, this is going to be fun. All of you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Why? Because you own a house. So on the other side of that wall is our shower. So realizing that the shower, the water that had been supposed to go down the drain wasn't going down the drain. It was spreading. And so I was like, okay, time to rip out the shower. And yeah, there was nice shiny tile there. And as I ripped out the shiny tile, I realized behind that shiny tile and behind that concrete and all that stuff I had to rip up, and it was real fun, there was a really bad smell. There was a lot of this moldy stuff going on. There was a place like... I think there was supposed to be a two-by-four there, but it looks like it's not really there anymore. Outside the shower, you'd go step after I got everything up, you'd step on the floor like, ooh, that's a little soft, isn't it? Matter of fact, there's the basement down there. Realized behind the shiny tile was mold and sickness that it was eating away at the house. See, us church people, we're really good at coming and, you know, shining up the tile and going, everything's nice. But what sin does, it's eating away at our lives. 
So Jesus being personally comes to the relationship. He says, forgive us our debts. What we owe because of sin, we're in debt to the Lord. There is justice to be paid. And he says, forgiving, coming to the Lord. I just want to read it. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So first I want you to understand that with Christ and what he was going to do on the cross, he is paying the debt for my sin, for your sin. He goes to the cross and he dies upon the cross so that my sin and your sin can be forgiven. The church word for this is to be justified. One said it is God's declaration that he has dealt with our sins in full in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sins we have committed and the ones we will soon commit, he has forgiven He has imputed to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ and regards and declares us to be righteous. So I want you to hear this, that if you have accepted Jesus Christ, the debt for your sins has been paid. Jesus here is not saying, hey, you need to be careful because you commit a sin. You need to go back to the Lord and get that forgiveness because that sin's not going to be forgiven. And then if you mess up again, that one's not going to be forgiven. That's not what Christ is saying here. We know those of us trusted Christ... The debt has been paid. We look to the cross of Jesus that he came. He was perfect. He's the only one that could make the payment. And he died on the cross and rose again. And the Bible says that those who will accept Christ as their Savior, as the Lord, they will accept the righteousness of Jesus. He saves them. So understand that. But hear what Jesus is saying. This is like through the Father lens. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. Jesus is talking about there should be this closeness with the Lord. And if ever there is sin after we come to the Lord that comes in, it should break our heart. It should break our heart to know, man, this sin has hurt the Father. And so we confess that sin like 1 John 1, 9 says. We confess that sin and he's faithful and just to forgive us of that sin. This is speaking of a relationship with the Lord. And what happens is, even you, believer, if you know the Lord, but now you are walking in sin, what you are doing, you are stepping away from that closeness you should have with the Lord. This relationship. So here, this verse brings us back to the cross and knowing, only because of Jesus are my sins forgiven But it also brings to a place that if in our life there is sin, we should confess it to the Lord. And he'll forgive. And then it says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The word to pray, Lord, as we are so thankful for your forgiveness, for your forgiveness, we are called to forgive others. 
There's this podcast out there of a, a podcast I enjoy following of um, a guy who helps with finances. Christian guy, uh, don't love everything he says, but who does, right? But uh, just enjoy some of the helps. And one of his big things is to help people get out of debt. He just wants to help people get out of debt. And so what he does, he sets up this plan to get out of debt of like the car debt and the student loan debt and the credit card debt and that credit card debt and that credit card debt. Yeah. Uh, he helps us to get out of debt saying, okay. And so one of the things he does, if people follow this plan and they get out of debt, some of them drive all the way to Nashville to go to his studio and they come and they stand there and they do something called the debt-free scream. What they do is they come in there and they say, okay, we were this much in debt and uh, we did this, 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 and this, and now we are, we are debt-free. And they do the debt-free scream. So they bring the whole family and mom, dad, three kids, and they stand there and all of a sudden they go, we're debt-free. And they yell it. And they're like, woohoo. They're so excited to be out of debt. And I, and I love that. Because it reminds me, as a follower of Christ, I have something greater to yell about. I have something to be more excited about. Because when I look at Christ in the cross, why do you go, hey, because of Jesus, can, can we, I'm debt free. And if I will realize that and know that and live that out, when I have friction with other people, I can go to Christ and go, yep, I didn't deserve that forgiveness. I didn't deserve to all be washed away because of the blood of the lamb, but I received it because of Jesus. And now because of that, I may pour that out to other people. That's the life we're called to live. And this is what Jesus calls us to pray. This personal prayer. He calls us to call upon him for physical needs and relational needs. Then lastly, here we have spiritual needs. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. One book said, we need forgiveness of our past sins. But lastly and finally, we need assistance in overcoming any and all future sins. And this is the request here. This is the spiritual request Jesus taught his disciples, he said, hey, you need to watch and pray in Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, I come back to that path. Many times we like to run down the wrong path. And so here we're asking God in our weakness, God, protect me from running down the wrong path. Protect me from falling into this temptation. Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need your strength. This is this prayer. This is the pattern that God calls us to. And there are too many believers walking around thinking they don't need the assistance of the Lord to stay out of temptation. And it's not true. We need the help of the Lord. So here, as a believer, we're seeing there are dangers, there are troubles, and we ask, God, please protect me. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. As I was studying this week, I came upon a pastor who began to tell a story. Told a story of his three best friends in college. 
They roomed together. They were at a Christian college together. They did ministry together. They prayed together. And they all spread really throughout the country in doing ministry after college. The pastor talked about all of them are serving in ministry, but he said, except one. I was reading, you could just see his heart. He just said, you know, I, I just began to see one of my friends. He was in ministry, and then I saw this circumstance pop up and he changed jobs and then I began to see him changing attitudes and it began to change where church was in his life. It began to change the people that were around him. So there was one time after church I preached, I jumped in a plane to fly across the country to go to him and say, brother, I love you, but I see that you're falling away from the Lord. He said, that's exactly what happened. He ran away from his marriage, from his family, from the Lord. And the truth is, pretty much all of us in here could write that story with someone in our life. And I love what the author says. It, it all goes to show that no one is above falling. No one is above shelving his or her faith, family, and heritage. No one is above yielding to temptation. No one. This is why we need the Lord. This is why we must continue in personal prayer to ask the Lord, Lord, deliver me from temptation. Protect me, Lord. We think of Peter. Peter thought he was bulletproof. The disciple of the Lord, Jesus comes to him and goes, Peter, you're going to fall away. He's like, yeah, right. Peter says, not a chance. Here's what his words are. Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Wasn't bulletproof. We need the Lord. We need his help. Now, understand in this prayer, one, this isn't that the Lord is leading everybody to temptation and we just pray, okay, God, keep me from temptation. That, that's not what it is. It says in James that, um, that the Lord right, brings no one to temptation. There are also trials. And we know there are going to be trials in our life, and many times trials are good things. So when you pray this prayer, you're not going, okay, God has no temptation, no trials. I want everything to be easy. That's not what you're praying for. We know that trials in our life are a good thing. They prove our faith. They strengthen us. Hear this prayer is, Lord, I am weak in so many places. Help me. Protect me. May I stay on the right path. Many, many years ago, before I was married, I've told this story before, I think it fits here so well. My, um, when I was dating my wife, now wife Laura, she lived up in the thumb of Michigan. I lived down here, was going to school, working at the church, and so one Friday night I headed up to the thumb, to Pigeon, Michigan, and so when you drive up there, you, it's a really boring drive, because there's just, oh, there's another cornfield, cornfield. Cornfield. It's just a flat nothing. So you're just heading up there. You know, you're trying to have done it, did it so many times. I'm half asleep. And as I was driving up there, it was, it was late at night and I'm driving and there was a car coming toward me. 
And as that car came toward me, um, he had his lights on, I had my lights on, but the car started flashing its bright lights at me. Now, we all know, if you're driving down the road, somebody's coming at you, they have, a, they have their brights on, you just do a little, you know, just to kind of, hey, your brights on, so they turn their brights off. That's not what this guy did. As he was coming at me, he went, like, just started firing his bright lights off at me. So I was a wonderful Christian man at that time. So you know what I did? I started firing my lights back at him. So, so, so we're having a light show. He drives by, I keep going, all of a sudden, there's a deer in the middle of the road. You, you know that, hindsight 2020. <gasps> Say, I know it's coming. Will you heed my warning? I'm warning you. I'm telling you. Maybe the lights are flashing in your life right now. And the Lord's going, hey, it's coming. This road you're down, it's coming. Will you, will you depend on me? Will you trust in me? Will you come to me? I'm here. I'm right here. Your dearest father, I love you. But you can choose to keep going the path you want. And sin's going to do what sin does. It's going to destroy. May we put our dependence in the Lord. And this is what Jesus did. He shows us what to pray. God, I need you daily. From the big things to the little things, Lord. Please take care of me. And he says, this is what I want you. I want you to come to me. When you come to me and remember your forgiveness and, and whenever you sin, come back to me and repent and draw near. And when you see others, you, you forgive them. And ask me for help in your spiritual walk. I'm here. This is what the Lord teaches us to pray. And if I think if many of us get honest, I get honest, I veer away from praying like this. May we come back to the pattern, the truth of how Jesus has taught us to pray. Will you stand with me, please? Lord Jesus, we praise you. Lord, may you be glorified. Hallowed be your name. Lord God, may your will be done. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.